All right, everyone. Welcome to Silky Elk and the Big Man, episode eight. New York Mets right now are 21 and 26. They are outside looking in with 13 games remaining. On this episode, we welcome a new member to our podcast team, a producer that will help us hopefully not sound like shit. We have DeGrom, Cy Young chances. I have a new sport addiction that we break down in some new segments. And without further ado, let's get it started. So welcome to episode eight of Scooter and the Big Man. And before we get into anything with Mets baseball, we have a pretty uh, pretty exciting announcement, PJ. We sure do. We have, uh, we have a third member of the Scooter and the Big Man team. He's going to be uh, producing our podcast and, and some of our clips for us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, meet, meet Pat. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is Pat. Uh, thank you. No, please, please hold. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad, glad to be a part of the fam. This is, uh, this is gonna be good. I think we're heading toward the moon now and, uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be on. So you're going to hear, you're going to hear Pat's voice sporadically throughout, uh, the episodes to come. So if you hear a third voice, you're not familiar with him, Pat, our producer, only negative thing about Pat, Pat is a, Pat's a Washington nationals fan. Die hard Washington nationals fan, world champion nationals fan as well, too. I'm really happy you said that. I am too. PJ, take Uh, it away. So we, Pat, as he's just previously is a diehard Nashers fan, wrote uh, previously, I did not know this before, uh, this, this, uh, this meeting here that he uh, had a Nationals blog. Uh, Can you plug the blog for us a sec? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's called the Washington Passionals. It's, uh, I mean, it started when, because my friend Brian thought that I wasn't a diehard Nationals fan. So I was like, you know what, I got to prove him wrong. Well, you know what? We're going to put that uh, knowledge to test. I, I came up with three questions for you. Right oh, per, I mean, this is going to be the easiest questions of my life. So by all means, please. So number, so number one, uh, okay. what won MVP in the 2015? National won 20, MVP in 2015? Yeah. I'm, I think this is a trick question. I don't think a national in 2015. I think, no, was that Bryce Harper? No. That. No, this is a trick question. No, he didn't. No one won MVP in 2015. Trick I know, question. No one. Piece of, piece of cake. Next question. Uh, it was Bryce Harper. Oh, <laughs> shit. All right. Uh, All right. No. Uh, no, we're good. Uh, question, uh, two. question two. I don't think he. I don't think he won MVP. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Sure. though. He for sure did. Uh, question two. Who's the Nationals' all-time leader in home runs? Home runs. Uh, I, I don't want to say Juan Soto because he's he's young. Uh, uh, home runs. Oh, it's Ryan Zimmerman's hits. If that counts, I think. Uh, so I'll say, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Mr. National himself, Ryan Zimmerman. You got that one, right? 270 homers. Let's and, go, baby. Okay. Uh, number three. I think this, this is a pretty easy one. Uh, how many career stolen bases did former Nationals great Nook Logan have? I'm sorry, who? Uh, National great center fielder Nook Logan. Nook Logan. Yes. Uh, Fan, you should know who that is. What I mean, I have his his autograph. Uh, I just don't know off the top of my stolen bases. Yeah, I want to. I want to say like thirty two. You were actually surprisingly close. It was fifty six. <laughs> Let's go. Is that actually a person? Nook Nook yeah, Logan. Nook Logan. <laughs> Nook Logan, former Tiger and National center field that played two years for the Nationals in two thousand six. I believe. I was expecting more like Wilmer Defoe questions, but I'm I'll I'll gladly you know take those. That's, I'm uh, telling you, I'm, I'm an actual, I'm an actual Nationals fan. So follow my blog, the Washington Nationals, yeah. where I posted twice in four years. Actual National fan who didn't know Bryce ever won MVP in 2015. But good to have you here, Pat. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about the Mets. All right. So uh, we have a pretty disappointing week of Mets baseball, which has been a theme for 2020. But let's just dive into it. So we're going to lead off with the 11 to two loss to Baltimore. Michael Waka gives us. Uh, Gives you four innings, four innings, five runs, four earned. And uh, he is sitting pretty with a 7.50 ERA on the season. Do you, I, know, I know, I know you, you manned up, said Michael Walker might not be good, but do you want to definitively say that he is really bad and awful and not as good as Rick Porcello? 
Michael Waka was a very, very poor free agent signing, and he was he has not been helpful to the New York Mets. That is all I'm going to say. I, I won't accept that. I need you to, I need you to tell me what I want to hear. All right. I, like, I hate to like jump ahead, but like your boy, Rick Porcello pitches the next game of the series, four innings, five runs, 10 hits, and he has a six ERA. So why don't we just like shake hands, say they both are garbage. And, and that's the end of it. I'll agree that both of them are trash. Okay. However, Rick Porcello is better. And that's all I need you to tell me. All right. Then I'm not, then we're not there yet. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. But for this game, um, they lost 11 to two. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, that's all I really got to say. The offense did nothing. Um, this was another Gaselman relief outing now. Uh, and in relief, Gaselman lets go six runs, his ERA on the year up to a 9.64, which is just fucking abysmal. And he then broke a rib that. I don't know how you break a rib when nothing hits you. It was a non-contact broken rib, which that's just Mets. Yeah, I didn't realize. Like, I, I remember seeing him, like, come out. He was, like, he's like adjusting himself. Didn't look right. I was like, oh, maybe he, like, pulled something or, like, his lat or something. I don't actually know where the lat is to be pulled, but it's something like that. And then I just found it was a broken rib. I was like, I don't remember him getting hit with a ball. So I'm on the same page. Like, I don't know how you break a rib without getting hit with anything. I mean, that's just terrifying to think about because like if you could just if you could just break ribs without like things hitting you or doing something that like would provoke a broken rib like I, I that could happen at any time. I'm genuinely terrified every day now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like you said, McNeil homered in this game, which was I mean, McNeil's back. We, or we'll talk about McNeil more just as we go through these games, because you're going to see a lot of McNeil highlights. Um, Jake Marisnik also homered. And you and I have talked about this, too. Marisnik has turned into a really nice player for this team. Yeah, I like this. I like him. He he's good. He's good in the outfield. I mean, a couple. He's made like uh, one like error this week, but overall, he's a good outfielder. He's been providing them decent enough offense. I think he's hitting like two ninety something at the moment. But he's like, I mean, it does it does suck that do they trade for Blake Taylor is killing it in Houston, but it kind of softens it a little bit that Marisnik is actually playing pretty well. And I didn't really expect that. So that's just a nice little, all right, it, this is this is cool, I guess. Will you chalk it up for a win as Brody on the trade? I won't chalk it up as a win. Okay. I'll, I'll yes, it's not a loss. And I think that's as good as Brody can get at this point. Yeah, I think you and I are both on the same page. I think Brody's gone. I think this is just like his little like swan song. I don't think they make the playoffs. I hate to do a spoiler there, but I think Brody's just going to enjoy his last 13 games as Mets GM, and then he's off. They're they're going to fire him into the sun. I hope I never see him again. Uh, you might see him like somewhere, but not no. with the Mets. No, I don't. I can you you think he's going to get another like front office uh, GM job? You think he becomes an agent again? I think that's I think more likely. To. Yeah, I, I think mean, he has like, to. He was in charge of like a big sports agency, so I feel like he'll just go back to doing that. So you'll still see him like when it comes to that, and maybe he'll be bitter when it comes to negotiating with the Mets because the Mets fire him. And then, like, we'll miss out on big free agents because Brody is their agent. Well, Brody's uh, client was Jed Lowry, so I'm perfectly comfortable with that if that's the case. <laughs> huge, huge free agent signing, Jed Lowry. Yeah. Uh, so the second game of this series, Mets finally get a win over the Orioles, 7-6. to six. This was a fun one to watch. Uh, they were losing this game 5-1 to one going into the fourth inning. Uh, as we said before, Rick Porcello got banged up, four innings, five runs, ten hits, and he's at over a six ERA on our season. Um, there was a lot of really nice moments, though, in this game. You had McNeil with a homer, Conforto with a homer, um, your boy, our boy, uh, Jimenez with a tying home run. And Jimenez. I think Jimenez. I always say Jimenez. I think of uh, Yobaldo. And Conforto with, like, probably the catch of the season for the New York Mets. Oh, yeah, that was a game-saving catch completely. Do you uh, – I know – I know we talked about this off air. I'm never going to call him the Silky Elk. Yeah, Conforto's new nickname uh, being the Silky Elk. It's that, like, it's, that's fucking awful. You're like, you're an MVP candidate playing in New York City. And like, some of these guys get like, some players get like the coolest fucking nicknames in the world. And this guy's just fucking called the Silky Elk. The that's fucking awful. 
like the polar bear is a, a, a sick animal nickname. I love that. You know, the flying squirrel, it very much defines Jeff McNeil. Silky Elk, I don't want to punch you in the face. It's a bad nickname. I honestly, I don't like the Mets having like everybody being named after like an animal and them being like, oh, this is their spirit animal. Like I, I'm actually like a little over that. Like polar bear, yeah, because Pete actually looks like a fucking polar bear. And like when you look at Jeff McNeil, like his face, like when he goes up to bat with his batting helmet on, like it's all like squished together. Like he actually looks like a fucking squirrel. So like him being called squirrel, like I'm fine with that. But like every single guy having to be named after an animal, it's just fucking weird. And Silky Elk is awful. I kind of I kind of like that there like the gimmick of the nicknames of the team is, is an animal like the zoo. But that's just a bad that's a bad way. You want to call them? I don't even know if I would hate elk. I mean, Scooter is just much better. Obviously, it's what we've named our podcast after. But Silky Elk and the Big Man has a does not have the same ring to it. The but, Silky Elk and the Big Man go back to back to bust the city in half. Just, just does not flow one bit. But Elk, I think, would be like I'd be like, eh, no, no, not no. no. I, I, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to be a gimmick like this. Fuck, like, like We're you're a gimmick. Oh, it's a bad gimmick. I know, but I don't want it. I just want them to have like fucking normal shit and being the gimmick of being called the Silky Elk. The man's an MVP candidate. You can't call him the silky. It's just fucking embarrassing. Um, but yeah, Conforto, uh, we could talk about Conforto literally all day. I mean, like Michael Conforto this year has taken such a leap forward. And I feel like his glove was always like trending in the right direction. But like he is such a solid fucking outfielder for us. And like his bat has been absolutely terrific. Like we said, Michael Conforto is going to get MVP votes. I don't think he wins MVP by any means, but Michael Conforto is going to get MVP votes and be either like three or four in that final voting by the end of it. We, we talked about this. It's so upsetting because we have two MVP candidates or two guys who are going to get votes in Michael Conforto and Don Smith. The, the probable possible uh, Cy Young award winner in Jacob DeGrom. Rookie of the year, possibly, in Andres Jimenez. And this team is four games under 500 and probably not going to make the playoffs. Like, what the fuck? That's all I really have to say is, like, nothing more. Just what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, like, I've kind of gotten to the point of the season where, like, I've mentally convinced myself, like, playoffs are not going to happen. So I'm almost enjoying watching again because I'm like, okay, like, they're out of it. But then, like, the problem is I know if they string together, like, a three- or four-game win streak, like, I know I'm back in. And then, like, I'm back in to get hurt because there's only 13 games left. But that's 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 the thing that bothers me. Every time they get a win or even two in a row, I'm like, all right, maybe this team's coming back. And every single time, they'll write off another a loss, two or three. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I investing myself in? This is already a Frankenstein season. I, I, I'm, I'm moved on to 2021. I, I don't care about this. I don't want to say I don't care about this season anymore. Cause I'm still going to watch, obviously I'm still going to root, but we, we won this year by getting Steve Cohen and that's good enough for me at this point. So another thing with this seven to six win, uh, Pete hits the go ahead home run in the eighth inning. Like Pete keeps getting like these like moments, like you could look at Pete Alonzo's season and he has like three or four of these like key moments where he has like a big hit in like a really cool spot that like it's a win where you think will propel them forward. And they've had a couple of these wins where you're like, this is the win that gets us going. And then they can never put it together and get consistent, like back to back, back to back wins. They keep like winning one, two, and then they lose three or four. And Pete has these moments where you think, all right, Pete's fucking back. Like, finally, he's going to be Pete Alonzo again. And, I mean, if you've watched him during this Blue Jay series, like, this man is lost. He, All you have to do is throw him a, a slider or a breaking ball off the plate, and he goes fishing every time, and he, he can't even make contact. And today, they threw him three in a row of the same pitch off the plate. He went after all three, and he struck out. It's very frustrating. He's got, he's got to learn that, you know, guys aren't going to throw you strikes now that they know you're going to chase. So learn, hey, I'm going to take more pitches. I got to get more plate discipline. He just need, I think he just needs the season to end. He just needs yeah. to put the season behind him, focus on 2021, and get into a normal routine because I'm, I'm still nowhere close to giving up on Alonzo. But it's, it's 
it's really frustrating to watch and really annoying to see him chase balls in the dirt that are nowhere closer, weren't even even close to being a strike at all. Frustrating. So offense was red hot uh, in that like second half of that game. Like I said, they were losing five to one. Came back when the ball came seven six. Transfers over pretty well, which is, we haven't seen them transfer over like an offensive performance really. They've either like and you'll see that later on. Mets put up a season high for them, eighteen runs. They win this game eighteen to one over the Blue Jays. We get to see Jacob Degrom, which is just like a fucking treat for us. Degrom gives you six innings, three hits two walks, nine Ks, and he drops his ERA only like 0.2, but he's down to a 1.67 on the season as he pushes towards a third Cy Young. Yeah, this was – I didn't even think that he was like 100% on this game. He didn't need to be. He, he, still, he still pitched a great game, obviously, but once they came out of that 10-run uh, inning they had, he – they were hitting, they were fouling a lot of balls off, so that kind of rattled him a little bit. Not really rattled him, but extended his pitch count. So he wasn't 100% there, but like I said, didn't really need to be. We needed up 17 runs. Not even this bullpen could blow that. Well, I don't want to say that, but yeah, they didn't blow it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. There was like after the 10 run inning, he was having a hard time putting guys away. Like there was, I think Travis Shaw had like a monster long at bat against him. It was almost like 10 pitches and it ended up mm-hmm. being a walk. And it's very rare that you see a guy get the best of Jake like that. Usually if they're going to get the best of them, they're going to hit like a solo shot, like on like, like a hundred mile an hour fastball. But this was just like, Hey, everything you're bat- throwing, I'm going to battle you and I'm going to battle. And then it's rare that DeGrom loses that. Uh, but yeah, even like when Jake doesn't seem to fully have it, he gives you six innings, um, one run, and he lowers his ERA and he strikes out nine. So, why's the best pitcher in baseball? I mean, you can give take keep your keep your Garrett Coles, keep your Max Scherzer. Like, I'll take Jake the ground. But well, I mean, we can't go this whole game without talking about the offense because they put up eighteen runs. Like you said, we had three guys with four RBIs. That was Conforto, Ramos. And Dom Smith. Ramos looked awesome this game. And we haven't seen that at all this year. So that was that was just cool to see. Not not really expecting anything else uh else for the season. But it was like, ah, right, cool. That's another that's another guy that just randomly got hot this game. A guy who was really good last year. And Dom Smith grand slam. He did a 3-0, so he broke the most sacred of unwritten rules. But that was awesome. I was I was going nuts for that because I was at, at a time where we weren't up. We were up like what five one at that point. It was still very much a game. Yeah. And then, so, and then Conforto just keeps hitting, keeps giving me a nice punch in the face. But I'll take it every single time. I'll take all those hits on the chin. One of my notes for this too, and I hate to keep fucking ragging on him, but like my note was like everybody hits but Pete. And like when you score eighteen runs and like you know like you're one of the key offensive players and you really don't contribute at all like that's got to feel sour you got to feel like you're missing out especially like when you're like that big power bat and like you didn't get to like do anything with it so like i assume like that makes you eager for the next couple games and unfortunately even though for like the rest of this blue jay series like pete still didn't really show up um i think also a really cool like nugget for this game uh, this happened on September 11th. This is the first year that MLB allowed them to wear first responder hats for the game. Uh, they've always been allowed to wear it during like batting practice and warming up for the games. And then they have to switch into their um, like their normal uniform. This was the first year where they allowed. Um, it was really cool to see them wearing like the NYPD hats, the FDMY hats. Um, they were wearing uh, Port Authority fire, police hats. And there was another like san- sanitation, sanitation uh, hats too. So it's just cool to see them like in play and them wearing them. And, and I know Pete did something really nice last year on nine 11, where he bought all the Met players, um, nine 11 cleats, like Memorial cleats and MLB told Mets, like, Hey, those cleats, just so you know, like you're going to find. And Pete bought them all the cleats and they wore them for the game. They got fined and like, they didn't care. So it was nice to see that MLB's starting to let the New York teams. Cause the Yankees also wore the hats too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to see that they're finally like letting up on that a little bit. It's honestly 19 years too late though. It is. No, I agree. And like I, some of the arguments on it is really dumb. Like someone's like, Oh, so like, how are we going to rank a disaster to see what's worthy of wearing a hat for? It's like, I don't give a fuck if there's a disaster and you have a hat, you have a patch, you have a cleat you want to wear to like commemorate that 
what just took place, that tragedy, or remember the lives lost, like, fucking do it. Who cares? Who cares if, like, once a season you wear something, like, for to recognize, like, a, a hurricane or, like, a mass tragedy? Like, fucking do it. I don't, I don't see know. Why, I don't see why it's a problem. Like, it's not – it's not like a performance enhancer. Like you, them wearing that hat didn't make them score eighteen runs. Them wearing them wearing that hat didn't make Jacob Degrom just have nine strikeouts. Like it doesn't it doesn't impede on anything in the game. So give them unfair advantage. It's it's remembering a a tragedy. So I don't I don't know why it took this long to do. I'm just happy that they they are allowed to wear this net to wear those hats now. All right. So while we're talking about Degrom a little bit too, I do want to kind of go into the NL Cy Young. Uh, debate a little bit right here. I want to give you something to be optimistic about. So we're coming down this year. Jake's got three more starts left. He's probably going to have a start against, <laughs> he's going to have a start against uh, Pat's Nationals and uh, Pat's last nationals. place Nationals. Sorry, last place Nationals. Uh, world champion um, Nationals. But. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> uh, he's also going to end his season starting against the Tampa Bay Rays. So, we go Philly, Nationals, Tampa for Jake's ending. Here's what I want to give you. His two top competitors right now for this award, I would say, are probably Trevor Bauer and Hugh Darvish. You agree? It's a three-man race? All right. Darvish, he goes Cleveland, the Twins, White Sox to end his season. Okay. Trevor Bauer goes Twins. Pirates, White Sox. So both Darvish and Bauer have to face the Twins, who are a really good scoring team. They are in the playoff race in the AL. And they both have to face the first place Chicago White Sox, who are scoring at will. DeGrom then will face Philly. The Nationals, who he has not seen yet this year. DeGrom has not pitched against the Nationals in all their, in all their meetings. And he gets to pitch against Tampa. So, so where, where are you at with that? You see who, who has what final three games, who do you think has the advantage? Cause I, I have mine, but I want to hear yours. So I, the, so the one team I know, I know that the nationals are, are in last, but they still have like guys in that lineup that are, that are super scary, like a, like a Soto and Turner. And so the one like game that you said that really stood out to me was Bauer against the pirates. The pirates are fucking awful. Yeah, he he could no hit that team. I was just about to say that's a team that he could legit no hit, and I wouldn't be shocked. So that's the one game that that stands out to me. But them having to face the Twins and the White Sox, like on the White Sox, Jose Jose Abreu is a legit MVP candidate this year. He's been so ridiculous, and that entire team has been like a very fun. I know we don't really talk about a lot of the non uh, East teams on the podcast, but the White Sox are fucking fun to watch. They're such a cool young team, and they have so many good players in that team. That that them having to face, uh, both of them having to face the White Sox, they could easily get shelled in that game. I'm hoping, I'm really, I'm really, really hoping for it because I don't know, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want jinx anything, but like, I'm I'm not worried about the Grom really getting like shelled, shelled. Like he already had his, it seems like he already had his like really bad game against the Marlins this year, and it wasn't even that that bad for his ERA incense. So I don't have to worry about that. We, I think, they just need to worry about Darvish and Bauer getting shelled one more time. I really think it comes down to with, with these three starts, because I really do think they're all that close. I think the season ended today, and I'm really trying not to be biased with it, but I think if the season ended right now, Jake wins it. Um, but with that being said, I think it's one bad start, and you're, you're out. So, like, if you go out there, Jake goes out for his start against Philly, and let's say he won't do this, but, like, you know, six earned runs, like a shit ton of homers and all this stuff, and the other guy's, like, two earned runs for the rest of the way, like, Jake's out. Yeah. It's the same thing for one of these guys. This has a bad start. They go to – I mean, Darvish. Darvish has a rough one. He's got to go Indians, Twins, White Sox. Like, that's that's a tough fucking stretch. Those are three teams that are going to all be in the playoffs, most likely, in the AL. So – with that, I almost think it's just going to end up being like Degrom Bauer, uh, and I, it's that pirate. Like you said, that pirate starts scary because like Trevor Bauer can bully the fucking pirates. He can easily go like eight innings, like twelve strikeouts, and no one would bat an eye. But I, I, 
in my non-biased opinion, I think this is you Darvish's right now. But I do think it's like neck and neck. If you were to argue any of them, I'd be like, yeah, you got a point. Like I think I think if either rank would be Darvish, DeGrom, Bauer. But I don't know, man. That you said that that three games for Darvish definitely has the three hardest games, I think. And you mentioned how you think the White Sox are like a young, exciting team. There's a lot of teams right now in baseball like that we really, again, like you said, we don't really talk about, but like Padres are super fucking fun. So and like, cool. I would honestly, with the Mets probably not making it, I would love to fucking watch a White Sox Padres World Series. And I just think that would be just a, such an electric young talent series. But that's a, like really a, far ahead. I have a question. I have a question for you. Do you, is there some part of you? That is like, all right, Mets don't make the playoffs. There's like a, a smile, like, hey, I get to watch some of these other teams and not really have to worry about the Mets this, in, in this playoffs. Like some some part of you. Uh, I, I so we've we talked about this too. I went to the 2016 Wild Card game, and that was like the worst game I've ever been to. Like just because this the level of stress for being in a one game thing. So if they were going to be the NL wildcard team, which they, if they make it, that's what they're going to be most likely. Like, fuck that. Like, I fucking hate that one game shit. Um, so I, obviously I will never, I always want them to make the playoffs. I'm never going to tell you that I don't want them obviously, to make the playoffs. Yeah. But like, it, it is nice to be able to watch like all the young team and be like, all right, I don't have to worry about like what happens with this series because I need it to benefit the Mets. Like I, I can root for like the young talent that I want to root for. I get that. But speaking of young talent, um, I'll tell you what. I know we lost this series to the Blue Jays, and we'll get into the last two games real quick here. Um, I really like the Toronto Blue Jays. And I don't know if that's like a controversial take, but like similar to like all this young talent that we're talking about, like I genuinely liked playing the Blue Jays because like they just have so many fucking like dudes that are just, they're just studs. They're just, they have so many young guys who are going to turn into such good fucking players and their heritage on that team. It's, it's, it's just interesting. They're an interesting team. I love it. I love how their core players are just, you know, sons of MLB players. Like that's so cool. Like Vlad Jr., uh, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette might be the most exciting player out of all of them. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you also have a uh, loudest Gurriel who made like seven diving catches against the Mets this week, which really pissed me off. But he's, he's really good too. He had a homer today as well. But yeah, this that team is really exciting, and out of there, they have they have a lot of intriguing pitchers too. Not, I'm trying to remember any like specific young guys they have aside from the guys we trade them. But it's their hitting that's really exciting to watch. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, Anthony Kay pitched against us, and that's who Dom Smith got to hit a nice grand slam off of. Like, I'm not rooting for Anthony Kay to do poorly. Like, I almost want some of the guys the Mets traded away to do well, so Brody looks worse. Like, at this point, like, I want Brody to just look awful. Everything I've heard on uh, Simeon Woods Richardson is that he's an elite fastball and uh, an insane changeup. So, thanks, Brody. It's like, can you just imagine though being like the GM of the Blue Jays and like, even if you don't know what you're doing and like when you're drafting these guys, it's like, who's who could I pick? This guy's name is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah, that that works. Like his dad was really good. Like, and I feel like that's almost like what this guy did. Like Biggio, yeah, yeah, Biggio was good. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Like, it's like, no, these are their kids. Like, no, it's fine. They'll be all right. I would, I would love if literally every single person on their team was just a son of a son of a player. I want them to sign. Oh, Pedro Martinez Jr. Get him, give him to me. Bring him up to Toronto. Oh, you got a uh, fucking uh, whatever Mike Trout's son's name. Eventually, yeah, let's get him. Mike son, uh, Mike Trout's son's name. I know this. His kid's name is Aaron. All right, that was it. Okay, I I, I blanked for a second, but that kid's gonna be a beast. Hey, you got something to say? It's, it's just a weird thing to know. But I right. think his middle name is Aaron. I don't think his first name's Aaron. That's that's even weirder to know. Pat, your producer, this is what you fact check. This is what you do right now. Go, we'll, we'll keep talking. You you tell us when you have Air, uh, Mike Trout's son's name. Does he even have a kid? All right. Yeah. He literally he just had a kid. Da- Jesus, Pat. Kid. I heard you for a reason. You're getting the big bucks for, for, for a reason. The, the fact you knew his middle, yeah, his middle name's Aaron. And his, his first name's, I'll give you a hint, it's the last name of a famous soccer player. Uh, Mbappe. <laughs> Holy shit, you got it. <laughs> Mbappe, Aaron Trout. Yes, just rolls off the tongue. No, it's Beckham. 
uh, after his beloved Gordon Beckham. After, after his favorite Rays player, Tim Beckham. Uh, all right, so let's just finish this Blue Jays series real fast. Uh, Mets lose this next game after the 18-1 to game. They lose 3-2. to So your offense gives you 18 runs to follow it up by the next game, only scoring two runs. Uh, Seth Lugo looked pretty good with this, but I think the thing that we really have to talk about with this game is, like, just what are we going to do with the Med Rosario? You almost feel bad for the guy. He gets three hits, and then he strikes out to end the game. However, his quick speed, the guy drops a, like, third strike he gets to first base you're like all right cool we're fucking alive and immediately he gets picked off so i thought getting rid of billy hamilton uh kind of uh put away our base running woes at the end of games guess not but like you said i i i like ahmed and it sucks because he had a good game like he, he was playing he had three hits he looked great he, he did strike out but he was able to get on base i was like all right cool he had a good game good for him he was good at confidence back up and then that shit just happens and you're like what the fuck it, yeah, because that that's the only thing you take from that game now is that he got picked off to end the game. Yeah, no one. I mean, we're gonna be we're like the only ones that are gonna talk about that he had three hits. But the underlying headline is that he got picked off to end the game. I think he's feeling some like a lot of pressure because him and his, is playing very well. That he in his mind is like I might not have uh, my starting spot next year. So he, I don't know. Maybe he's feeling some pressure. I don't know. I really don't know. I I still think he's a very valuable piece. He does do a lot of things well. But he's he's not factoring he's not factoring to my uh, starting spot next year. I'll tell you that much. I think what happens with the Met Rosario, I, I think he's ran his course with his Mets career. I think you'll still see him in a, like spot starts against lefties, and he'll get random like pinch hit opportunities. Um, but I really think that he's going to be moved in the offseason. I don't think you're going to get enough for him, but I think you're going to move him. And I really do believe that he's going to be one of the players that. It just didn't work out here for whatever reason. Like it, it just didn't work out, but he's going to go on and develop into a solid player. And Ahmed Rosario is going to be almost like, I don't want to say he's going to be as good as like a Justin Turner, but he's going to be like in that category where he's going to turn into a nice player. Like I think he's shown that he has the intangibles to be a really good major league ball player. Um, but right now, who are you going to take? Are you going to take Rosario or Jimenez? Jimenez. I think I did it again. I even thought about it. I took a pause. Fuck my I, life. I think I said this in the previous episode that I don't know if I want them to sell low on him. Like if they don't get a deal that they like, I wouldn't trade him. I would say uh, take the offseason, try and learn uh, center field or something like that. Try and try and learn a different position to maybe give him more versatility to be able to keep him on the team and maybe up his value even more. Because I do think he could still be a very valuable piece to this team. It's just finding a spot for him because I don't I don't. From what I've seen out of uh, Jimenez uh, this year in terms of his glove, which is already pretty elite, and his bat that has actually been good, which was the main uh, concern coming to the majors that he couldn't hit, that his his position isn't going to be at shortstop anymore. And there's not many positions for him to fill unless he can play catcher. But try and try to be more versatile, and that's, that's how you can stay on the team. I, I don't know. I, I like, like I said, I like him. I want him to be on this team. I want him to be a part of this team. If you can get someone, if you can get someone like significant for him, I would definitely do that. But I don't want to sell low on him. I'm just trying, trying to do more to stay on here. Uh, the only thing with him is I think he loses value with the less amount of playing time he gets. So I think you show him in flashes for the rest of the season, and if you are going to move him, you you move him. Um, if you allow him to try to learn a different position and what if he fails there and then like he hits like under 200 and he's like even more frustrated than like any value he has as a player is now gone with him trying to learn something new. If you could flash him as like a middle infielder and be like, oh, you know what? This guy's really young and he's pretty good. Like, let's take a chance on him. Let's see if we could like mold him into what we want to be. And you might be able to get a little bit more for him. Um, so like, Knee-jerk reaction, do you think you think he's a Met in 2021? Knee-jerk reaction, I think he is, to start the season. I could see him easily getting traded early on in the in the year also, but I think my knee-jerk reaction, he will be on the Mets roster in 2021. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he gets traded in the offseason. I don't think we see him at spring training this year as a Met. Okay. Pat, yeah, what do you think? Now. Pat, where is he? Uh, he's going to go to the Nationals. Uh, All right. Well, then he's traded. Okay. Well, when they yeah. have Trey Turner, they're going to trade for a shortstop. Good, good job, Pat. Well, one more thing. Oh, 
Uh, one, more, one more thing on this game that I want to bring up is that uh, Seth Luga made one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. From the where he, yeah. he fielded the ball, it was first and second, he fielded the ball going towards third, and then just immediately, without hesitation, sprinted the third, slid, hit the bag, and I don't remember who was running. It might have been Alejandro Kirk and got him out. Like, it was just – it was a beautiful play. And I just want to give my my shout-out because that was a big thing I took out of that game. A positive, I should say. Something I took out of that game, Alejandro Kirk is a big, big, big boy. He's, He's a He is thick. Three Cs. Pat? I'd maybe tack on extra C. All right. Thanks, Pat. Nothing, nothing like Stanton, though. All right. So, listen, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Mets lose 7-3 today. Uh, Peter Stingo's five. He should have went six. Rojas with an awful fucking decision to pull him. Bullpen blows it in the sixth inning. Offense looked pretty shitty today. Uh, after the game, Rojas said that David Peterson was on a 90 pitch count. I mean, we're in fucking September. Peterson's made so many starts already. Like, this is not the time to hold guys to pitch counts. There's 13 games left. He's got to fucking go. It just shows that Rojas isn't isn't really a manager. Isn't really that great of a manager. Honestly, he doesn't know how to manage the the pitchers, the bullpen. And I I do kind of feel bad for him. I I've ragged on him a decent amount on the on this podcast. But I do kind of feel bad for him because he was kind of just thrust into the position out of nowhere. Like he wasn't their first choice. He's trying to make the best out of a of a really ridiculous season. But I, they got a clean house when uh, when Cohen comes in. Brody gone, Rojas gone. I would like someone with a lot of like a lot of experience. That's why I wanted them to get this off season. Like even Carlos Beltran wasn't that excited for. Like I loved Carlos Beltran as a Met. That that's what got me a little excited. But I wanted like a Girardi. I wanted like Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, one of those guys who who know who've done this before, know what they're doing. But that's just me. Guy, people like the the young up and comer possibly uh, doing their thing and being the next big guy. But I want I want a guy who I know what I'm gonna get and who has had past success. All right, so we're gonna take a different turn here, and I have not told you about what I'm about to bring up, but I'm gonna bring it up because I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Something that I am hooked on. I don't know why I saw it on Twitter and I did like healing. a huge, huge deep dive. <laughs> Would you say healing? Healing. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about like healing crystals, <laughs> like like a gem guy. Nah. I'm good. I could see. Go see it. I could see that being. I could see you being a healing crystal guy. I yeah, think so. Yeah, I could see you just like walking into your room and just seeing a shit ton of crystals everywhere. Well, I can I can show you. This is a great podcast uh, material, but uh, not not a crystal in sight. You have no wall decor. I'm moving, dude. All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So anyway, what I am hooked on is Scorigami. Mm. If you're not familiar with Scorigami, it's like the different outcomes that can happen in a, in a baseball game. Like how many times does this final score happen? And the first time that final score happens, that's considered a Scorigami. So Scorigami. Were you trying to get it like in unison? It seemed like you were, you were trying to get us to say no. it at the same time. Like no. we were sixth graders. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> so on September 9th, the Atlanta Braves won a game 29 to nine. And it was the first scoregami in major league baseball in over 20 years, 20 years. So with that, I got two fun little facts. I want to give you oh boy. first fun fact. There was one game. In 1871, that ended 49 to 33. 49 to 33. Only happened no. one time. That score. You played? I would like to know. I I don't have the teams. I'm sorry. I imagine Pat looked that up. I imagine <laughs> literally. <laughs> I imagine uh, my guess is going to be the uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings versus the Cleveland Spiders. I'll say like the Washington Bullets or something. I don't even know. That's a basketball team. No, well, they played in that moment. Pat, you got it yet? You said 1883? Eight, no, 1871-49-33. <laughs> How do you have the score but not the – all right, hold on. I Listen, I only have the chart. While Pat looks for that, PJ, I'm going to ask you, okay. what do you think the most common score for Major League Baseball games is? Most common scores – uh fuck, I don't know. Three one. 
It's 3-2. 3-2 has happened just under 12,000 times. I thought you were going to give me like a trick question, like 0-0, when like in the 1800s, they would have to stop playing because it got too dark out and it would end 0-0. Pat, you got it? I got it. It is the – what was your guess, PJ? The Cincinnati Red Stockings versus the Cleveland Spiders. Not – not even close. Uh, it's the F- Philadelphia Athletics, which confuses me. I thought they're in uh, Oakland. And all the Troy Haymakers. Ah, uh, yes, the good old Troy Haymakers. Who won? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, the Troy Haymakers. The, no, no, the Athletics did. 40, the oh, Athletics had 49. There was 82 runs, 74 hits, 20 errors. Oh, oh my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> but that, that's some interesting uh, – Stats you got there. Yeah, so I'm hooked on Scorigami. So I can't I, wait. I hope it happens all the time. It, I, it was it's exciting. I know Scorigami's big in football. That's a that's a, a bigger uh, thing for that. I never heard. I, I never really thought about it for baseball to be honest, because all the scores are you've you've seen most of the scores. Or no, you haven't. You haven't seen a 29 to nine game ever. So that, that I, I literally just did. happened. We, esta- we established it. I saw it like Friday. But. That's uh, that's something I, I'm a little, I'm a little excited about right now. Oh, good for you! I'm glad. Thanks. You know what I'm not excited about? What are you not excited about, Brian? Andy Martino on Twitter is the biggest fucking troll, and I'm starting. Uh, I I will never like Andy Martino, but he tweeted something that I I now know that he knows he's a troll. And, and that makes me understand him a little bit more because I'm going to find out more about Andy Martino. This is what he tweeted over the week. He said the Mets and Yankees went into the eighth inning even though the score was tied. Even though the score wasn't even. I'm sorry, that's what the tweet said. Even though the score wasn't even. Basically, Andy Martino has been fucking on his like little bread box saying that he wants every game to be seven innings. So he's like, weird. The Mets and Yankees went into the eighth inning even though the score wasn't even. It's like Andy Martino, shut the fuck up. And he got ratioed. He got ratioed to the moon on it. But, like, this is just who he is. He's a fucking troll. I mean, that's what he wanted. He, he, he wanted people to, to comment shit. That, that, was his, that was his whole plan. Like you said, you, we know he's a troll. And we know that he knows that he's a troll now. And anyone who wants the full seven inning games can literally go fuck themselves. I, like, get, I get it for this season for double headers because we need to. We need to fit as many games as possible. So I'm fine. I, I've said this many times. I'm fine with all the, the random shit for this year. Uh, a lot of it I don't want for next year at the seven inning games, the, the extra inning rules, which is dumb as fuck. I hate it. But going on, if you are seriously like, oh, seven inning games, I, I, would, I would love that. Go fuck yourself. Don't watch baseball. Well, I just, I hate Andy Martino. And like, I've always hated Andy Martino. I went on Andy Martino fucking rant uh, a couple episodes ago. He is just, I hope when Steve Cohen buys SNY that he fucking launches that man out of the building, fires him on the spot, and Andy Martino just becomes this like washed up dude who just like randomly will fucking like will subtweet the Mets. And like that's all I want. Also, just throw it out there. Andy Martino in 2015, he had that fucking article where he said Michael Pineda was better than Jacob deGrom. And we can never forget that. So I just need everybody to fucking know that Andy Martino Said that Michael Pinedo is better than Degrom. You sent me that. I was like, oh, Michael, yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. That was pretty random. Speaking of random, let's go into our random meta of the week. That was good. Oh my yeah, god, I mean, you like that, right? I got chills. Who's our random meta of the week this week, PJ? Our random meta of the week is Jeff Francoeur. Now, I I always loved Jeff Francoeur on the Mets, and I kind of I kind of forgot that he wasn't on the team for that long. It was it was weird. Uh, he got traded. They yeah, traded there in 2009, halfway through the season. And then they traded him halfway through 2010. So I was like, fuck, I really thought he was there for at least like two, two or three full, like full seasons. But the one thing I'll always remember about Jeff Frank core is I don't think he's ever taken a pitch. Like he, he was notorious, just swing at the first pitch every single time. It's crazy. Yeah, so I have a specific Jeff Francoeur memory. I went to a Mets Nationals game in DC uh, shortly after the Nationals like kind of became a thing, and Francoeur was the Mets like only offense. I think he hit two home runs that game, 
and uh, Levon Hernandez pitched a pitched a gem for the Mets that night. And uh, I just remember Frank, like my big thing with Frenchie. Frenchie had a rocket attached to his oh, arm God. from right field to third base or right field to home. You almost wished people would run. Because Frank Hoare had just this fucking massive arm where he could just gun you down. He he had an arm uh, close to what the Cespedes was. Like that's how that's how fucking good his arm was. It was a legit cannon. Do you you remember? Uh, Do you know that like after his kind of career ended, he tried to become a pitcher. Uh, I thought I heard stuff with that, but I never actually knew if he succeeded or how far he went in his efforts. I don't think it went like too far, but I just remember, I remember like hearing like, oh, Jeff Franco was trying to become a pitcher. And I was like, fuck, man, that makes sense. That dude has a, had a fucking missile. But I, I don't know. Jeff Franco was one, always one of those guys. I was like, I love this guy. I love seeing bad. Jeff Franco is still involved in, uh, with the Braves. I'm pretty sure he's part of their play-by-play announcers now. Oh, good for him, honestly. But yeah, I honestly, you saying that he was only with the Mets for like one year is, is, is shocking. For some reason, I just like remembered that like one year is like a three year time span. I thought he was there forever. I'm looking at his stats right now. And just this uh, 2007 season caught my eye where he hit 19 homers, but had 105 RBIs. Wow. Yeah. For the Braves. That just, that just caught my eye as, as I was looking. Former rookie of the year, Jeff Francoeur. Ish? Uh, no, he was uh, third place. He came in third place in the rookie of the well, year. Well, that was wrong. Did win a gold glove in 2007, though. <laughs> he didn't win rookie of the year? No, he came in third. What the fuck? Why do I remember him? All right, that was really bad. All right, non, non-former non rookie of the year, Jeff Rancor, ex-Met, is uh, our uh, random Met. Who won rookie of the year that year? Uh, let me check. This is Pat's job, but it was uh, Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard, Philadelphia Phillies. Nice. I'll give, you, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can guess who came in second. NL second place rookie of the year. Yes. In 2009, in between Ryan Howard and Jeff Francoeur. Oh, 2005? Yes. Um, kind of a position? I feel like that's, that's kind of fucked up. Outfield. That doesn't help anyone. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon. No. All right. It was uh, Pat. Do you have a guess? Uh, Brian took my guess. I was going to say Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it was uh, Willie Tavares. All right. Well, that wasn't Astron happening. Rocky. More Astron Rocky great. Also in the Nationals, Pat. So what the fuck? <laughs> no, but he, he got <laughs> traded, though, right? His last season ever was on the Nationals. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's tough. That's a tough look for you. Tough for our, our diehard Nationals fan producer. That's the worst. <laughs> Nah, All right, he's, so he's we got a couple more things to wrap up here real quick. We got our uh, our favorite segment, good morning, good afternoon, good night. If you are new to this segment, good morning, we give you a positive, good afternoon, we give you a negative, and good night, we give you a record prediction for this week. Uh, just to set the table a little more, we got six games this week. We got three against Philadelphia, three against the Atlanta Braves, uh, three on the road, three at home. So I'm going to go first for you with our good morning. Uh, my good morning, Jacob DeGrom is going to win the NL Cy Young. I'm pretty confident with this. Uh, looking at his final three games, looking at the other two guys' final three games, and just the role Jake is on. Jake is going to become the third pitcher in history to win three straight Cy Youngs. Uh, I feel pretty confident with that. Uh, my good afternoon is Ahmed Rosario is done. He is done. I, I think you see him in limited roles, and he is going to be shipped out. Um it's a shame because I do think he's going to turn into a really, really good baseball player, like I said earlier, but I just do not see it happening with the New York Mets. And I think the Mets are going to get roasted for it like later on when they're like, oh, look how good a Med Rosario is. But I, I think it's for the best. I think it's better for his career, for the Mets' future as well, uh, to move on from him. And I've always went positive with these good nights. I've always said they're going to win more than they lose, except for like one of the last ones we did because I was trying to – like jinx myself it didn't work so i'm gonna say the mets go two and four this week they win Degrom start and they find a way to win like one maybe like lugo or a waka start but uh i don't see them doing anything else this week full prediction uh my my good morning i i i thought a lot on this and not really a lot but it's not like a, a huge a huge like thing I think that Dom Smith 
is going to come third place in MVP. He's going to get third, third place MVP because he's just having such an incredible fucking season. Like, how many times do we have to tweet it out? Or how many times does everyone have to say that this dude is a legit, like, star? This is a legit building block player. He He's in, like, top five in, like, almost all of the, like, average categories, like like batting average, on base, slugging, uh, OPS, everything. He's in the top five. Like, he he's going to be – I think he's going to be top three, if not top five. Uh, my good afternoon, Mets don't make the playoffs. I mean, we kind of said it before. I uh, They're – they just can't piece together a big winning streak. And that's the one thing they're, they're missing. And it just sucks, man. Like you said, I I've come to terms with it. I said, uh, we won, we won the big thing that we needed to win this year. And that was Steve Cohen. So whatever happens is whatever the to 2021, my, my good night record prediction. I'm going to one up you, or in this case, one down you, we're going to one in five and we're going to win Rick Porcello's start. Jesus, uh, he's going off. <laughs> going, yeah, they're all fucking dude. They all suck. Uh, just to go off of um, the playoff thing real quick too. Could you imagine in a year where every first place team makes playoffs, every second place team makes playoffs, and two third place teams make the playoffs? And this roster, if you fucking told me that in February, that this roster would miss in an opportunity like that. That's absurd. I mean, that's why people people got to lose their jobs over this. Like this, there's so much talent. There's this is such a nice young offensive core, and they can score. They've shown everyone, hey, we can score runs. They're one of the top teams in hits. They're one of the top teams in on base percentage. And when it comes down to it, they can't fucking pitch. The organization that was always built on pitching now can't fucking pitch. We can't get out of the fourth inning. Let me ask you a, a little hypothetical I just thought of. If the Mets had Syndergaard and Stroman pitching in this 60-game season, where do you think they would they would rank? Like, where do you think they would be? Uh, they probably finished second in the NL East. I I would probably agree with you. Do you think they would be like? You think they would be like the best sec, like the best record second place team, or where? I'm just curious, riffing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would put them there. I, I would say they probably just miss out on winning the division. They're probably like one of the top second place teams. I mean, I would agree with that. I, I still think the Braves are deeper, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I would say they probably would have finished second if not first. I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that. That's why it sucks to think about this year. It's about to be over. Pat, how do you feel that your Nationals are dead last? And that's not really being talked about enough. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's alarming. But, you know, Brock Holt, he's the future now. Uh, he's the only guy I know. That, I know see, I, I know people. He, uh, <laughs> you just said know. he's the only guy you know. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I know. I think I know like two or three more. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it sucks. I mean, it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm living off the, uh, the high, though, of last season. And watching this postseason was amazing, so. I'm I'm fine. I'll take this L for a season. PJ, let me let me just ignore Pat. Let me work off of something else here. Um, <laughs> where where is Dom Smith playing for the New York Mets in 2021? I think all right, I'm going I, off. Go on. I know we've talked about it, but like he he is a part of a huge, huge part of this team's like offensive core going forward. He will be in the lineup every single day, but this is the part where I struggle with. It's like, where is his home? And not that he is a terrific player, but like Alonzo can't play anywhere else, but first Dom can play a little bit of outfield. He could play a hell of a first base. If there's no DH in the national league next year, where, where is he? So, a few – I'll just go, go back a little bit. A few weeks ago, I sent out a, a mailbag. I got a question. We got a question uh, from uh, my good friend, uh, Kevin Capick, saying asking, do you think Dom Smith will be on the team next year? And at the time, I was a little bit on the fence because – not that I didn't want him on the team. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to maybe they're gonna capitalize and get something big. This guy has to be on the team next year. I think it's the finest spot. I do think that the NL is going to adopt the, the DH going forward. So I think that he will be playing first next year, but and MP's going to DH obviously. But if there's no DH, I think you have to put him in left. 
and McNeil has to go to third. I just don't know where J.D. Davis goes at that point. Because, like, you can't, you can't take McNeil out of the lineup either. You can't not play Dom Smith at this point. Like, J.D. Davis would just be the odd man out. So, like, the Mets, in, in a sense, the Mets really need the you know, adopted DH next year to have their best lineup out there. And honestly, J.D. Davis becoming a bench player, like if that's if that's your bat off the bench, and J.D. would still get a shit ton of playing time if he wasn't a starter for this team, but like that's a fucking good bat to have off the bench in, in J.D. Davis. Um, it just sucks for him because he's not playing poorly himself this year. Like he, J.D.'s having a nice season. He's in like 270, 275, and, you know, he's doing all right with the bat himself, and he's played a nice third base when he's been put in the game at third. He's had a one play in particular that I could think of where he double clutched really bad and they yeah. cost the runner to beat him. Um, but other than that, he's been diving all over the place. He's got a fucking rocket arm. Um, he's definitely looked better at third than last year. He's, he's the one person you could say, oh, Brody did something right. Yeah, that's like his only positive trait, I would say. Yeah. I, I like J.D. It's just what would, what would you do in that sense? Like, who would you sit? Because it's got to be like you're not – for next season, you're not going to sit Pete. You're, you, you can't sit McNeil, and you can't sit Dom either. Like, well, what would you do? I think the hardest part with all that is that Cano has played well. And originally, everyone was like, oh, eventually McNeil's going to go to second. Cano's going to be kind of like a bench player, or he'll be a DH. But it's like, no, Robinson Cano played like a fucking all-star this year. Like, Robinson Cano is going to be your starting second baseman right now. And the plan was to always segue Cano into the DH role and Pete would be your first baseman. But now with Dom Smith turning into a superstar and good problem of having too much talent offensively is, is a good thing to have. And it's not something that we've ever really had. Um, but you do have to find a spot for everybody. And I thought Pete was going to stay at first. Cano would eventually be your DH. McNeil could then get over back to second base. And then they would look for like a third baseman as the piece that was missing. And now that's not really in play. So the piece that's missing for me then is now your center fielder is a missing spot. And if you could catch her. And then you kind of just roll with JD being your bat off the bench. Dom's going to be your left fielder. Conforto's your right fielder. Or if you want, you could put Dom at first, Pete as DH. It's just... There's a lot of ways they can go with this, what you're trying to say. Their, their lineup every day is going to be different, position-wise. They will never run like their same lineup every day. It's going to be interesting. It, it's, next year's going to be interesting. That's, that's all I can really, uh, that's all I can really say. I'm excited for, for next year. Yeah, we just got to suffer through these next 13. Uh, so as we kind of wrap this up here, just want to quickly do what we always do. We want to plug our, our Instagram, our Twitter, our TikTok. What else we got? I feel like we got everything now. Yeah. The uh, Twitter at scoop big man pod. Go follow us. I've been live tweeting pretty much every single game and funny, funny stuff here and there. Me, me and Brian running that, uh, Instagram at scooter, big man pod. Uh, been doing, you know, random met, uh, been starting to do some like trivia questions. If you, if you like that, that's nice, fun interaction, uh, you know, game day recaps, a uh, bunch, bunch of stuff, any memes I think of whatever, whatever we think of some clips from the, from the podcast, uh, visuals, uh, pretty much anything, anything to think of. It's really good. Go follow at scooter, big man pod red. Really appreciate that. And then, uh, whatever TikTok is our handle. I actually know what our handle is. Uh, you got that one. Uh, it's the same as Twitter. It's Scooter Big Man Pod. Okay, yeah, Scooter Big Man Pod on uh, on TikTok. Uh, some good stuff on there as well. A lot, a lot of nice videos and such. Pat, you got anything in closing, buddy? Uh, glad, glad to be a part of the fam. I've always wanted to produce a podcast, so uh, I'm glad you guys asked me to come on. And uh, some exciting stuff in the future. So stay, stay tuned. Yeah. Can you just cut all that? We don't actually want you to talk. Oh no, I, I had my mic muted the whole time, so it's gonna make you guys look like idiots when you talk. Yeah, in, so any anytime you talk, just make sure that was all muted. We don't we don't need that in there. Oh, you don't need this type of noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I can do that. Thanks, Actually, just crop off like anything that you were in. Okay. I mean, I've just been talking the whole time. Actually, I just muted you guys, so you didn't hear me. I'm like I'm parasiting this podcast. Well, that'll do it. 
Uh, we'll see you guys, uh, see you guys next Monday. There's no like, close uh, off. Welcome to, welcome to the after show with Pat. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, I'm going to stop it.